Hey, hey, hey. How are you? Everybody good? You know, you're going to be good and loud? Just at any time you feel appropriate, I just want you to go, whoo, right out in the middle of the sermon. Just, you all right, Ben? Just, just whenever, that's right. Don't do that, you'll distract me. I'm just kidding. Hey, it's good to, it's good to see you here. Well, we're going to continue uh, in our sermon series with the one another's and, and um, but before we do that, there's a couple of things I want to tell you that you need to know. There are awesome things that's going on. You know, we had the, our move event, um, and it was downtown Greer, and we had a bunch of kids come, and we did a bunch of stuff with them, just uh, kind of numbers-wise and let you know what happened. We averaged, uh, averaged around 60, 60 kids every night, so sometimes more, sometimes a little less. And uh, the cool thing about that is more than 20 of those kids were not from our own church. So we had some people from the community and outside the church, which is awesome, which is one of the reasons we chose to move it to go down there and do that type of a thing. But even better than all that, we had two kids who accepted Christ. Isn't that awesome? And that's really why we do it. That's like the bottom line. So we have two kids here who have accepted Christ, and uh, now they're, uh, they're ready to be baptized and, and waiting for that. So that is just awesome news. So sometimes people tell you things, and they say, shh, you know, don't tell anybody. This is not one of those times. <laughs> so feel free to just shout that from the mountaintop. That's exciting stuff. And, uh, again, that, that's why we do what we do, and it's awesome to, to see those kids' uh, lives being changed uh, in that way. I also uh, just want to uh, give you some information uh, in case you haven't heard or in case you don't really know what's going on. Uh, we're going to be continually updating you on what's going on as far as searching for a pastor and what's going on there. So I want you to know the elders have already been meeting. They're meeting again this coming week, and they're going to be making some decisions about what's going on as far as putting some criteria together and looking at that kind of stuff. And uh, so just want you to know that that's what you need to be praying about, what you need to be praying for. And then along the way, there will be somebody, whether it be me or somebody else, going to kind of give you uh, an update on where we are and what's going on. And then uh, we will let you know, and I think we mentioned it last week, Cliff may have mentioned it last week, we'll have a page dedicated on the website just kind of has some facts and things like that. And as soon as that's up and ready to go, we'll make you aware of that. So we want... We want to make sure that you stay in the loop and uh, especially that you begin, if you haven't, uh, begin praying for that and uh, just to, excuse me, just to let you know what's going on, okay? All right, so how many of you know that things change, <laughs> right? I'm reminded every morning when I look in the mirror, <laughs> right? Things change, don't you? All, all things change. We change our emotions, we change. Sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down and things change. You'd probably pick an area, pick, pick something, and at some point in time, you probably realize that it shifts and it, and it changes. It's just kind of the way that it, that it is. And language is that way. Language is that way. There are words that at one point may have meant one thing and then as time has gone on and culture and different things have taken place and the way we use those words the the meaning or how we perceive that meaning has changed from originally of what those words were when they started i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing it's just that's the way it is for example um the word passenger now 
any of us know, a passenger is anybody who's not the driver, right? I mean, right? A passenger is someone, just any, anybody who's not the driver. That's, that's kind of what we think it to mean. Now, do you know originally that word meant someone who traveled by foot? That's, that's how that was, that's how that was uh, meant to be. Now, again, taking the way things change and culture and over time, well, guess what? As when vehicles came along and different stuff where you had somebody who was the driver and other people who were not the driver, I guess we've kind of adapted that to uh, we don't refer to a passenger as someone who's on foot anymore. Um, so that word has changed. How about the word nice? Nice, we would probably uh, agree, means something or someone who's kind of pleasant, right? Oh, that's nice, right? You, you know, originally the word meant silly. That's not, yeah, it meant, it meant silly. So some, some way, somehow, some shape, form, fashion over time, that word uh, has taken on kind of a different understanding. How about the word decimate? I mean, that's just a harsh, decimate to me, maybe to you just means it's just, you just wipe it out. It's a total annihilation, right? The place is decimated, right? We just wipe it out. Do you know originally it meant to kill one in every ten? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Decimate one out of every ten? How things have changed. How about the word, and it's a bad word in our culture especially, but um, uh, how about the word bully? Ooh, bad. Bully, somebody who picks on somebody else or, you know, gives them a hard time, that kind of thing. And, and that's not good. I'm not agreeing with that. But you know, originally, that word meant really complete opposite. It was a good fellow. That's, that's what that word originally meant. So isn't that, isn't that kind of strange how different cultures and as time has passed and how words were originally established and how we've used them, things kind of change. Again, it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just, it's kind of. It's kind of the way things are. So what I want to talk to you this morning about is, is the understanding of, uh, in our culture, uh, we have a way when we hear words because of who we are and where we have grown up and things that we've experienced. When you hear words, when I hear words naturally, like I just did with some of those words just now, naturally, we, we kind of have something in our mind of, as to what we think that word means and what it means based on our experience and on our culture and, and all that kind of stuff. Now listen, the same kind of thing is true for words that we have that have been translated into our scriptures. So the original language, a different culture in Greek and in Hebrew with the Old Testament. So uh, the original language, Greek, Greek in that area, a whole different culture, different words meaning different things. Again, not that words that we choose to translate are bad or wrong, but just as we hear words, sometimes we think of what our English version is of that and how we've experienced that. So sometimes it's hard to choose an English word that accurately translates the language of an original word in an original language, right? So I was talking, uh, I had called Vlad. Vlad is one of our uh, elders, and uh, I don't know, are you in here? Where's Vlad? So I can point you out and... Oh, he's in the back running the slides. That's right. Vlad's in the back running slides. Well, I called uh, Vlad last week and asked him, hey, I'm kind of doing some things with a message this morning. Vlad is from Romania. And not only that, but I think he speaks like five other languages. I don't know. You just look at him, you wouldn't tell he was that smart. He's just... Oh, he's running the slides today. That probably wasn't a good thing to do, right? 
<laughs> uh, but but Vlad does. He does. He speaks a lot of different languages. And and to hear him speak English, you'd never know that he's from Romania. But I asked him. I said, you know, maybe in all the languages that you speak, or maybe especially where you grew up in Romania, you know, is is that an issue as far as translating words? Is there a, is there a word like in your culture that no matter how much we tried, we really just couldn't get the exact English word? And so he thought about it and consulted his family and that kind of thing. And so there there is a word. He said it was it was pretty interesting. There's one word that they use for it's kind of means to to miss someone greatly or or that type of thing. And, and there's a word specifically in Ro, in Romanian that you cannot translate it into an English word unless you change the whole sentence structure and and the way the word is used. And then it still doesn't do justice for what that word means in that culture and in that context. Does that make sense? So. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So what I want us to do this morning is, is look uh, at, at the Scripture. And you can turn in the book of 1 Thessalonians if you have your Bibles. If not, it's going to be on the screen. But there, there is a word in the Scripture we're going to be looking at this morning. It's kind of in this category. Now, what I don't want you to hear me saying is that somehow or another we have falsely translated the Bible and that kind of thing. I'm not saying that. We have great translations. And the translation we've been using lately here is the English Standard Version and it's not a matter of is it a bad translation, but again, to understand what these words might mean to us versus what they might have uh, connotated earlier on in, in the context that they were used. So, First Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 and then we'll focus in on a few things. It says, Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the salvation, the hope of our salvation. God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whatever we are, awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, there's a word there that we're going to focus on today. And the word is encourage encourage one another and that's the word that i want us to look at before we do that real quickly just want to go back and look and we talked about this and you know this as you study the bible and look at things there's all these things that 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 paul's saying you're children of the day you're not children of the night you've been saved for salvation and not for wrath and he goes on uh with all this and then he says therefore basically because of all of the stuff that i've just said because you know all of this here's what we should be doing and so then he gives that statement basically because of all this we should encourage one another and that's the word that we're going to focus on now i want you to tell me what uh when i say encourage what do you think what comes to mind what does it mean what cheer someone up 
to lift someone up? I can't hear you. Motivate. Okay? Those are the things that come to mind. Those, and those are, I think those are appropriate for what the word means. You know, I, I think of, sometimes we think of encouraging means, hey, you know, good job. Pat you on the back. There you go. You can do it. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheer you on. It's almost, this, it's almost this idea of I'm sitting in the stands and I'm a fan of your life. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you're doing a great job. You can do it. Keep it up. You know, go in. And those are, those are good things uh, for people to do with us, right? But that's kind of what I think of when I think of the word encourage. Uh, but, uh, and maybe it's uh, similar to this. Look at, look at this image. You can do it. Believe in yourself, right? That's kind of that's kind of what I think about when I think of encourage. This is a look of a determined face, or else he's right in the middle of going to supper. So, so that's kind of what we think about, right? You can do it. It's it's uh, encouraging. It's uh, believe in yourself. It's it's that kind of thing. But here's what I want you to think about. The word encourage in the biblical context means to comfort or to call to one's side. To comfort or to call to one's side. Now that's just that's a little bit different than kind of you can do it uh, kind of thing, right? So uh, in, in, in the original language, in the Greek, not that it matters that you need to learn Greek or whatever, but there's a word and it is the word paraclete is the word that is used for this word that's translated encourage. Now, it's not always translated encourage. There are other words, and I'll show you a few in just a moment. But in this one, in this translation, it's translated the word encourage. But the Greek word is paraclete. Now, listen, this is important. Don't miss this. It's the same word that is used to describe the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the same word that's referred to as Jesus and how he is a comfort and a help to us. Now that just conjures up a whole different thing than, boy, you can do it, I'll just pat you on the back, everything's going to be okay, doesn't it? So look, uh, these, are not on the, these are not on the screen, but I'll just read to you a couple of scriptures. Uh, and this is from John 14, the Gospel of John 14, verse 16. And this same form of the word, paraclete, is translated as helper in this particular verse. And it says... Uh, and this is Jesus speaking, and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That's referring to the Holy Spirit, who Jesus says, will tell him he'll come, and he'll dwell in us, and he'll be our comforter, and he'll be our helper, and that kind of thing. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, the same form of the word paraclete is translated as advocate. And it says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So those are two instances where that form of the word that's used that we've looked at as far as encourager, it's the same word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit. It's the same word that's used to describe what Jesus does for us as he is our advocate between us and God. Now, thinking about those kinds of things and understanding that, again, it's not that, oh, uh, encourage is a bad word, but in our English brains, in our 
people who live in the United States brains and the culture that we grow up, just to read through that casually when we see the word encourage, it doesn't kind of conjure up a lot of those images of being more than just I'm sitting in the stands cheering you on kind of thing. So, by the way, a side note on this. Um, all of the... Uh, all of the, the, the Greek stuff and all that, it's because I just read that daily and I know all the Greek language. And where's Jake? Actually, Jake, you know, not anymore Latin. Uh, but uh, no, I didn't do that. I did take some, but I don't, you know, I don't read it and I don't, can't just look at it and understand it either. I want you to know, if you don't know, there are so many good Bible study tools online that are free. So any language words that I looked up as I was preparing this message, I didn't have this big, thick, uh, thing of books on my shelf and I had to dig through and that only you know people who are pastors can look through and find these deep meanings I mean I just looked online to Bible study helps and there's there's a bunch that are available so to just do a simple word study uh, could help you maybe understand the Bible a little more instead of just um, instead of just reading through so just understanding encouraging and what that means and it's more than being just a cheerleader. It's more than being just uh, saying that you can do it and cheering each other on, patting people on the back, saying, good job, believe in yourself. It can include that, but that word that's used in the, in the scripture that we're looking at this morning, it's so much more than that. It means basically this, encouraging is coming alongside and getting involved in the lives of other people. Now that is a whole different world than... Attaboy, good job, you can do it. And the way that it's used and what Paul, I think, is telling us to do is, listen, uh, you need to encourage each other, encourage one another. Because of all these things, because, because you know that Christ has saved you, because you know that you're not destined for wrath, because you are children of the light, because, basically, uh, remember, he's writing this to people who are believers. We're in this together kind of thing. Hey, because we're in this together and because we know these things, here's what we should be doing. We should be doing more than just occasionally patting someone on the back saying, good job, go get it, believe in yourself, you can do it. We should be actively involved in the lives of other people in a way to be able to help them. Now, I don't know about you, but does that make anybody uncomfortable? <laughs> Because what happens when you get involved in people's lives? What? It's messy. People, we're messy, aren't we? See, if, if, if you want to get involved in my life and be an encouragement to me, and if I want to open up my life at all to you, you're going to see that I'm not a perfect person, and there'll be things in my life that you probably don't like. And if I get involved in your life, I'm going to deal with stuff that on the surface I may not see here on Sunday morning. That's such a wonderful thing about life groups and being able to be involved in a smaller group with people that you feel like you don't have to tell all if you don't want to tell all, but if you want to tell all, you can tell all. Or you can tell just enough to know that you need some help and you need people to pray for you and help you through just life. And it's not that everybody always has troubles and life's not always this big burden. But sometimes there are times when you just need other people to know that they're there with you, right? And, and you can pat them on the back and say, you can do it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're a good person. You can say, God will help you. You can say, I will pray for you. And all those things are good. But encouraging one another is so much more and so much deeper than that. It's actually getting involved in the lives 
of other people. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, I don't need any more best friends. Darn, Jesse, all right? I don't need any more best friends. It doesn't mean that people have to be your best friend. Look at this image here. This is more of an image of, of what it might mean when we think of uh, encouraging one another. Are you uh, being mean to me because I said something to you earlier? You just, you just proved a point, didn't you? But to me, you know, that's an image that communicates a little more of in, what encouraging means according to what the Scripture says than the you can do it, I'll pat you on the back. All right? These are, this, is, this is somebody who's in the situation, who's reaching to help, involved in somebody's life, helping them. He's not standing on the top of the mountain with a megaphone saying, you can do it. He's not instructing the person below on where to put his foot or where to place his hands, although at times that's important. But to encourage one another means there are times, and it's not 24-7, but there are times when we need to be involved in the lives of people, and that might mean reaching to help them touching them in their lives, being involved, sometimes getting messy, sometimes it's not fun, but knowing that that's what we're called to do as believers. So that paints a different picture, doesn't it? Getting involved, encouraging them. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to become best friends. I think sometimes we just kind of hold back from investing in other people because, well, for a number of reasons, but I think we just think that, that if you're really going to have a meaningful relationship with other people you have to somehow kind of be limited to their friendship or only them it's almost like i feel like if i'm really going to be your best friend i really can't have another best friend right and it's not about friendship necessarily it's not about making best friends but it's this idea and this is important again listen if you are believer are a believer and remember this is written to people who are believers if you are a believer god has gifted you specifically in ways that he has decided before you were born with things that you needed to be the person that he has created you to be. And I believe that those gifts and those talents and those skills or whatever you might want to call them, those things are a part of who you are on purpose. And they're not meant to solely be used selfishly for you or only your benefit. They are meant, as part of the other scripture says there in Thessalonians, to encourage each other and build each other up. We are to build each other up, and that is building up the body of Christ. So as I use my gifts, I should be using those in a way that, that are encouraging to you. You have gifts, and you might say, well, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do that. And my question to you would be, well, what can you do? And there are things that you can do, and there are characteristics of your personality and there are passions and things that God has given you and you can take those in such a way as to be an encouragement to other people not just shouting from the mountain good job you can do it but literally using those gifts and to get involved in the lives of other people let me give you an example of what I'm talking about of something that happened with me and, and, and an example to show that you don't have to be best friends with people when I was first uh, had first gotten back into church. I was 19 years old. I had gone to a church that uh, hadn't been to church in years, 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 and years since I was 
uh, I played a little basketball at church growing up as a teenager, 12 years old. So it had been a long time. Uh, seven years is a long time, right? It's a long time. And I hadn't been in church at all. Anyway, I, some friends of mine invited me to this church. I decided I would go just to make them happy. You know, it's like they invited me, so I'll go. And anyway, so long story with all of that, uh, that I ended up uh, on the night that I went back again for the second time of telling God, I'll just do whatever it is that you want me to do. Kind of surrendered my life to him and went on the path of following what I thought he wanted. Well, there was a guy in that church, and I don't even know his last name, but his first name was Ron. And Ron didn't know me from Adam. I was new to that congregation. I only knew the people who had invited me. So I didn't know anybody else. I didn't have family in that church. It was just me and a couple of people there that I knew that uh, were friends with. And Ron didn't know me. But Ron knew what I thought I wanted to do with my life and where my life needed to go. And Ron, unsolicited by me, asked me one day if I could meet him in his office. He was a businessman. I don't even remember what he did. Ron took me and my cousin at the time. And when we arrived at his office, he had purchased for us a set of Bible Pictionary uh, uh, volume, a four-volume set of the, of the Bible Dictionary. And Ron took time with me and my cousin Mitch and sat down with us and showed us how to study the Bible, things to look for, and helped us use those resources that he had purchased for us. Now, I don't know uh, what that cost him financially. They were at least $100 or more per set. So, at least a couple of hundred dollars, which may or may not have meant anything to him. I have no idea his financial situation. But more than, more than the money that it cost was the time that he was willing to get involved in my life. Now, Ron did that for just a short period of time. I can't remember. It may have, we may have met with him for four or five times, probably at the most. And each time we would meet, he would just tell us a little bit more. And I remember him telling me specifically, you know, hey, he said, listen, both of you guys, you're young. You're not married. You really don't have a lot of responsibilities. Now is the best time for you to study the Bible because you'll have more time now to do that than you'll ever have the rest of your life. Of course, that made absolutely, absolutely no sense to me at the time, right? But looking back on it, I'm thinking, what a wise man, because he knew what happens when life happens and how things take our time and all of that. So I'm thankful that I did take him up on his offer and to be able to start investing in some of that, probably studied more intensely than I, than I ever did as the years went along because of exactly what he said. But again, now, Ron and I were not best friends. Obviously, I don't even know his last name. I don't know to this day if Ron is still living or not. I have no idea where he would be if he is living. He has never tried to contact me after I left that church and went to seminary in Kentucky. He's never, he never tried to contact me. So what I want to tell you is, to me, a real living, breathing example of what it means to encourage people in my life was somebody like Ron. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to take somebody aside and teach them to study the Bible or buy stuff for them or whatever. But that's what Ron could do 
And so that's what he did with me. Now, you may not can do that. But there are things that you can do, I guarantee you. There are things. There are ways that you have been gifted. And to be an encouragement to somebody else, and especially another believer as in this context, to be able to take some time, get involved in somebody's life, and help them in a way that will make a difference for them. That's what encouraging one another means. Yes, it's good to shout from the stands, good job. Yes, it's good to say, keep going, you can do it. But there's not a person sitting here who doesn't need from time to time for somebody to come alongside of them and help them and invest yourself in their life. For some of you, I don't know, for some of you, the easiest thing you could do would maybe be to, to write a check or give a, give a little bit of money. It may not be, a, you know, when I said he probably spent $200, some of you thought, well, that's nothing, I could do that, and I wouldn't even, I'd never miss $200, that's not gonna, that's no big deal. But it's not about the money, but I would ask you, are you willing to maybe give up the time that somebody like Ron would give? Because sometimes that's more valuable to us than the finances. Are you willing to give up something in order to invest in somebody's life? Now, again, I'm not asking you to make lifelong friends. Although that could happen if you do something like that. And some of you may be, may be doing it. Some of you may have had somebody who's done something similar to you. But here is the challenge that I want to leave us with today. First of all, obviously, um, you may be here this morning and you don't even, you don't, you're not a believer yet. Maybe you're still asking questions and you're still searching this thing out and I'm trying to figure out what does it mean to believe in Jesus and I just don't know about all this church stuff and all that. You're, you're in the right place. Keep coming. And what I want you to know is that this whole concept of an encourager and someone walking alongside of you to help you and be an advocate for you, Jesus has done that for you. He is your encouragement. He is your advocate. He is the one who literally stands between us and God and intercedes for us so that we can have life. And we do that through Him. So I, wanna, I want to be an encouragement to you verbally today and say, if you want to know more about that or what that means, or maybe you've made that decision and you really haven't told anybody, I'd love to talk to you. I'm just going to stay down here afterwards for just a little bit. Just come and talk to me. Maybe there's questions you have. Don't, don't, don't worry about questions. You may have doubts. That's okay. Better to get those questions answered and struggle through that than just to continue to use that as an excuse to not give your life to Christ. I'd love to help you with that. And then the, the other challenge is, as in the context, he wrote this to believers, right? So if you're a believer, this, I think we can say, all right, this is what Paul was saying to the church in Thessalonica. And so as a result of us reading the scriptures and trying to apply what the Bible says to our lives, we can say, okay, hey, this is something that I should practice in my life. And so my challenge to you would be this. Who are you encouraging? When I was talking about your giftedness and, be, and investing in somebody's lives, and sometimes you get messy when you get involved in people's lives and you're helping them. Some of you immediately, maybe you, you've got people in your life and you know you're doing that. And I say, good job, just like he said to them, keep doing it. He said, I encourage each other just as you are doing. I say to you, keep doing it. Keep doing it. And then for those of you who, this may be a kind of a new concept, and you're thinking, you know, I'm good at shouting from the stands. And I would even say I have the gift of encouragement, as mentioned in the Bible. But if you look at that word, even in the context of the Scriptures talking about the gifts that God gives us, 
the, the gift of encouragement is the same root word of paraclete. So if you have the gift of encouragement, you've been gifted to do more than shout from the stands. You've been gifted, maybe more so than others, to really get involved in people's lives. So I want to challenge you, and I know it's a little probably a little uncomfortable, but I want to challenge you for you to begin to pray. Maybe you already know, but is there somebody in some small way? It doesn't have to be some big giant thing. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to make a two-year commitment to disciple somebody one-on-one every Sunday, every Saturday morning, eating breakfast. I mean, if that works for you, that's great. But I don't want you to be overwhelmed by thinking, I don't have time. I can't do this. I I I don't even know how to do that. Just I challenge you. Get involved in somebody else's life and let God use what he has given you to be a true encouragement to them. And hopefully somebody will do that with you as well because we all need it. Is there anybody who just really wouldn't think that was a good thing? (laughs) Wouldn't you just like that? Think about this. What if every person who called themselves a believer was just an encourager in the sense of what we've seen today, just to one other believer. If everybody who's a believer was an encourager to one other believer, just for a short period of time, what a difference the body of Christ would look like, wouldn't it? It would be different because I think we all need that. So again, that's a challenge for you encourage one another be the advocate for someone else be the comforter as it's translated sometimes for someone else be the helper be the person who comes alongside and gives somebody else some hope not based on your own wisdom and knowledge but based on reminding them as a believer that they have life in christ that he is their advocate He's the one who stands in place for them. Pray with me. God, uh, I thank you that you give us examples of what things look like when we read your word. And not to try and make uh, such a big deal about specific words, but it's so important for us to understand the intent and how those things can translate into our lives today. In our culture, Lord, we find it very easy to be at a surface relationship with people. It's easy for us to click like on Facebook. It's easy for us to accept a friend request and for us to somehow think we've gained some meaningful relationship. And although those things can be good, Lord, help us not to let our own culture and our own doings cloud this idea of what you mean by being an encourager to others. And Lord, you know more than anybody that being involved in people's lives is messy. Sometimes that's just what it takes. So I pray for all of us that you help us to be able to identify a person here and a person there of ways that we can truly just get involved in their lives and be a true encouragement to them. In Jesus' name, amen.